Bad at Parties is sponsored by Abbey Art Seattle and the Ballard Homestead, music, arts, and community events for people of all ages and incomes. With reoccurring events including the Moth Story Slam, Cathedrals, and The Round, there's always an event when you're in Seattle. Check out Abbey Art's online calendar for intimate performances by many of the artists featured on Bad at Parties. Learn more about this nonprofit organization and how you can attend, volunteer, and host events at fremontabbey.org. Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. This episode was recorded in Anacortes, Washington at The Hall at Canelli Keys with musician Ricky Turner. Now, Ricky also books shows at this brand new venue, which I had the pleasure of playing earlier this year. Picture a small town hardware store with high ceilings and beautiful woodwork. The entire space has been renovated to host shows, small rooms for lessons, and a massive storefront full of instruments. This town is full of hidden musical and artistic opportunities, one of which is Ricky's music label that he is a part of, called Monopath Records. I first met Ricky through his connection to this record label, as it's partially owned by one of my best friends. Take a listen to Ricky's music, as well as musicians John Van Dusen, Bellamain, and Valeyard. You can find a link to all of that embedded within the podcast, as well, as usual, as Bad at Party's social media. If you're not subscribed or following that business, get on it, yo. Okay, here we go. Ricky Turner. So you're hanging out mostly with your with your daughter this morning? Yeah. That's great. Just hanging out at home. That's, so. that's good. Yeah. Um, and your daughter's two? She is almost one. She's mm. like 11 months right now. Oh, I don't know why I thought she was yeah. older. I was playing yeah. a show when I met her, so it was yeah. like... Very chaotic, probably. Chaotic experience, yeah. meeting children. She's like kind of big for her age, though. Okay. So. That makes me feel better. Yeah. You've got a small coffee mug. Yeah. And a large daughter. <laughs> not large daughter. That's not what we're saying. So and it's okay to be large at her age. Yeah, absolutely. You can be large. That's just sweet. You can yeah. be large at any age, and I got really, no judgment really, for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So I was, um, and this is the podcast. We're doing it. We've. I, oh, good. Uh, people told me they didn't like being surprised, so I'm trying to surprise them less. Uh-huh. So this is the podcast. But I was listening to your um, album, and the first time I heard it, was actually at your release show that you oh, okay. and Van Dusen did together uh, up in Mount Vernon. And it was cool then because that was literally the first time I ever heard it. I know that was Van Dusen's release. That was your release as well, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it was like a collaborative. It was, yeah, it was kind of like a tag-along slash like record label release thing because we both had an album coming out at the same time. Mm-hmm. We both went sitting on it for a long time, so... Yeah. yeah, and it was both under Monopath because you're part of Monopath Records. You're as an artist, as also a partial owner. What's kind of like yeah. Monopath and is the thing that I want to start off about. That was like the big curious thing because it feels like this enigma that I don't know who knows what it is because it's not yeah. me who knows fully what it is. Well, I, <laughs> do you? I might not be the best person to ask because I, I I'm like a. I guess I'm just an artist on it. Um, I was originally kind of involved in some of the decision-making, and I help with some things here and there. Sure. Um, but it was really, like, originally kind of a thing between, I guess, Jonathan and John. Mm-hmm. And then Nick kind of jumped on board, I think, after that. And then I was kind of trying to figure out what to do with my music, and they're like, well, you should be a part of this. And then, you know, it's just everyone's, like, kind of in a million things at once, so it's... Not like totally defined, but it's just it's just a label, really. Right. I mean, that's essentially like it's a label that like Christians are running. And, right. Um, yeah. Just but seeing where it goes from there. I thought that was cool. I I read their, I read through their website when John when Jonathan Keen, who's my best friend and has been my best friend for years and mm-hmm. years, um, when he told me it's like, oh, we've officially launched it. Like you can go look at the website now. Um, he was like, yeah, go check it out. And I was like, oh, they included like some of the stuff that they were talking about that I didn't know if they were going to release or not into, like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Is that, 
And I, I we'll get right to religious things. Is that like something that you like say, this is how I view myself as well? I know that there's material around like Christianity yeah. about it, even like the first track of your first song of the album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean I I do and I do believe that and I think if you look at actually a few albums that I've released publicly and like officially, mm-hmm. there's definitely a progression of thought because the first official album I released was basically my parting from Christianity. And then like the second one was just like probably a year into not really believing in anything. And then the last one I released is the first thing I've released in a while. And it's like, I don't know the, yeah, I guess like now I believe again. So Mm -hmm. it's like, there's some of the songs I wrote, I actually wrote before I kind of came back to faith. Mm -hmm. Um, But so there's just kind of a mixture of kind of like coming back a little bit. It definitely is in there. Hmm. Do you feel like any of those songs that you wrote prior to coming back to faith are in like contradiction with other songs like post coming back to faith? Does it feel like, or does it feel like it's like, no, that leads into this? Yeah, well, I think, I don't think they really contradict each other. Definitely like the ones on my different albums do. Sure. Um, but on this album, it's cohesive enough, I think, where I... I was sort of like in an in-between state for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where a lot of the songs came mm. from. I was having this good conversation with a friend the other day about identity. And like, <clears throat> when as an artist trying to release yourself as cohesive and kind of that, I, that um, I don't know, the respect that you can give to your audience by mm-hmm. saying like, look, I'm going to not be super cohesive I'm going to change, but that's actually better if I'm honest with that. And I'm like, yeah, I wrote this album, and now I'm in a very different place. And I think that that can be so respectful, not only to the people who are listening, but to yourself to be willing to say, just because I put something out before doesn't mean I'm a slave to that. Right. I get to be honest with myself and follow those truths wherever they lead me. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. I definitely feel that. With that, um, with releasing that album there's this um i'm just gonna look at this guy cool it was doing a weird thing i had to look at the recording <laughs> yeah. thing because i was like gotcha. where's the sound is sound coming in it is it just looks a little funny um with the new stuff the new album that you put out which is titled it's a self-titled album mm-hmm. um on that do you feel like you said okay that's what i just put out and here's where it leads me next. Do you kind of see what, like, that is pushing you towards? Um, maybe I'm not asking that super well. The last album you talked about, how no. it was kind of, like, pre-religious um, re-engagement um, with Christianity. Um, in that same idea of, like, my mentality is going to change and my opinions are going to change, do you feel like you have an inkling of, like, where is the next place that you feel like you're being drawn to? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely feel more firm in, in what I believe and what I think probably more so now than mm. ever because even when I was a Christian before I was very much like in doubt and confusion and struggled with a lot mm. of depression and things like that so it was a lot less like clear-minded back then mm. um, so I think now I mean I have like a worship album written oh well um, I just don't really have time to record right now yeah and uh, I have another album written um, I, have, I have a few albums that I'm kind of itching to like get recording on but just mm. you know when it happens it'll happen yeah <laughs> so. and i i know talking with john van dusen like some of his um worship or more religious things like it's so i don't know cool fantastic to see him engage in that and being like i'm going to release this stuff and it's going to be really unappealing to some of mm-hmm. my audience members um and i think that that's really exciting to see like the way you know I am less familiar with the stuff that you've been doing, mm-hmm. but simultaneously I can see these different, I felt like when I was listening to your stuff and I felt this the show that there's so many genres and then there's also so many different like varying mm. like perspectives of like, this is a linear narrative or this is a metaphor or, or things right. like that. Like it feels like it's coming from a lot of different places, but it's, it's doing simultaneously a good job. I think you're doing a good job of saying, Hold all of these things. This is all like this big and varied 
concept that like our different perspectives of what felt like the same idea. I feel like it's the same idea that I'm getting throughout the album. I don't know. How do yeah. how do you feel about it? Like, well, do you feel like there is some concept that you're trying to portray? Um, big picture. Yeah, I mean, it's self-titled for me because I f- I feel like that was kind of a first attempt at doing what I really wanted to do and having like a, an idea of it. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much just to have everything be completely unfiltered and just doing every sound that I wanted to do. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so like th- there's definitely some good and some bad, but I just wanted to do it and then just like think about it after it was released almost. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's just like all me pretty unfiltered and that's also not attempting to do any sort of real concept, but there is definitely a concept of um, being sort of estranged in a way because a lot of it was written when my wife and I didn't have a place. Like, mm-hmm. we were pretty much traveling, like, all over the States or in Germany, which is where I met John. Right. Um, so a lot of those songs were written during that time. So there's definitely some continuity with mm-hmm. traveling and feeling, like, displaced. Totally agree. Um, I mean, Goulash Canyon, which is the first one, like, yeah. that one... I think you mentioned this in your show that that one was written while you were in Germany mm-hmm. and you were while you were like cooking for everyone. Right. And it was like a really like, why am I like running and grabbing <laughs> propane so that way right. I can keep cooking food and like, right. yeah. It's were you married at the time? Uh, at that time, I was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I hadn't I hadn't released anything really since I got married. Um, I kind of just like took a hiatus. When from, did you get married? It was 2013. Okay. Uh, yeah, so before then, I was kind of just doing, like, DIY, like, house show touring, uh, I don't know, releasing stuff mm-hmm. in a very small way, and then I got married and kind of was, wasn't was sure if I was going to keep pursuing that or not, and also kind of reevaluating my faith, so I just kind of sat on it all for a while. Hmm. So they definitely are coming from a lot of different places, um, and yeah, and I think part of that, too, is just my style tends to be pretty inconsistent because I like a lot of different things. Sure. Um, I mean, there's... Oh, what is it? It's like the second or third track. I can't remember the name, but there's this the one track that starts out, like, super kind of folky and cowboy, and then, mm-hmm. like, um, I think it's, like, a two-verse, two-chorus song, but, like, by the end of it, it's got all these digital sounds, and it, I was... Oh, yeah, I think I know. I, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. That's right. probably Killing It, do you think? Yes, yeah. Killing It. And yeah. I love, like, the concept, yeah, because it's, like in front of 20 people it's really great i wanted to ask you about like the story of that but to talk about the genre of it i think it's really cool the way it starts in one genre and it ends in a completely genre and i feel like that happens throughout the album yeah i would say that's probably fair Mm -hmm. probably due to that kind of like just very spur of the moment method of recording yeah i just really just did whatever i felt like doing which was really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's a lot of moments where I was just like losing my mind alone, just like having fun. Right. Uh, so, I feel like that's a great joy of being in a smaller town like Anacortes, where mm-hmm. we're doing this recording, is um, that you're not paying hundreds or thousands of dollars for a recording space. I imagine you were doing it with the monopath space that they've that had set up prior. Yeah. Some of it, um, I was borrowing their gear and it, like a few of the songs were recorded in what's now my daughter's bedroom. Um, That's great. So it was before she was born that it was all recorded. Yeah. And then um, we moved all it out, all of it out, and um, they set up the studio in what was Nick Thompson Julian's garage, mm-hmm. and that was the studio for a while. Which maybe you were there, but yeah, I think um, I was there for like a little bit. Um, I'm you know just talking with them about like hey, when's Bella Main stuff going to happen? Oh, yeah. But yeah, like, I, I've been there a couple times just helping get stuff prepped for shows and things like that, but I don't think I've seen it fully set up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a long way to say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's not even there, so oh. they, they've moved on since then. So. Oh, that old house, yes. Yeah. I had been there multiple times when that was mm-hmm. set up. Um, anyways, moving across Santa Cruz, their new place is lovely. Yeah, yes. no, it is. Yeah, so now it's... Um, the gear is actually here. A lot of it is just kind of in storage. Yeah, nice. So, which is a beautiful venue. It yeah. was fun. You booked a show for our, for my band and for right. a couple other bands, and that's kind of like how this conversation got started to do this recording. Right. I think it's fun, but yeah, it's such a. I feel like 
again, back to the small town. There's like these unique little spots that you can get into that you can have access to something that you would never have access to in a city, um, which is time, mm-hmm. space, and gear. Like right. all of those are probably the most expensive things you could possibly ask for, especially time and space in like when you're, um, I don't know, fighting with against who gets it in a lot of True, those cases. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of benefits to living in a place like this. And mm-hmm. we kind of moved here intentionally to be in a space where we could kind of, you know, it's kind of secluded, but there's enough people around where we feel don't feel, like, isolated. Yeah. But also, I don't know, a good space to make art, I think. Yeah. Definitely. Tell me a little bit how you got connected to the community here. I mean, because you... Um, what is it, Utica? Is that where the town you're from originally? Yeah, Utica, oh. New York. New York, yeah. okay. And where is that in New York? It's it's kind of near, like, Syracuse. It's, uh-huh. like, right in the middle of the state, like, cool. four hours north of the city. Cool. So, New York I lived, City. I lived for a little bit in, like, Harris, which is probably, like, two hours south of that. So, like, okay. right off of, like, just uh, west of New Paltz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been in New Paltz. New Paltz, yeah. it, it exists. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but how did you, how did you, like, get from there to Anacortes, like, this small town <laughs> on the opposite side of the country? Yeah, well, so my wife and I got married, and we were living in Utica, and it wasn't really doing anything for us, and I'd kind of thought about moving away for a long time, because mm-hmm. um, there were just, it, you kind of hit a dead end after a while, because it is a pretty, like, isolated town, and right. there's a few people making really good art, but... They've all pretty much now moved away. All my old friends have moved away to either, like, Brooklyn or Philly. Sure. So um, they were trying to stick it out and, like, pioneer it and make it a, a cool place to be, but it just wasn't really happening. And it's still a great, great city, but, um, yeah, we all kind of just had to do what we needed to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I decided to try missions, and that was actually part of um, kind of my process is, like, Right. I didn't really know where I fit into Christianity, and I was like, I've never really tried anything that was just, like, servitude mm-hmm. w- without, like, overthinking everything, just, like, doing physical things. <laughs> um, and so we decided to give that a, a try, which she grew up doing that kind of thing. Cool. Her parents are missionaries, so. Mm-hmm. so we moved to Phoenix for a little while, which is where her brother lives. Right, I remember there's a couple yeah. songs that talk about that and talk about living in Phoenix, yeah. talk about living in Germany, talk mm-hmm. about living in Korea as well. Well, Korea was part of, so the school, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard to explain because so many things happened in such a short right, amount right. of time. <laughs> but, so basically we moved to Phoenix to live with her brother and save up to go on this overseas trip, mm-hmm. which was a school in Germany, um, Nuremberg, mm-hmm. and then... Um, I'm losing my train of thought because John is there right now, or like he was in Nuremberg. Like oh, yeah, like, I just saw his Instagram post because he's touring over there. Right, so right. he's actually seeing a lot of people that we saw in Germany, uh, which is weird to me. But mm-hmm. then from Germany, which is where the school was, we went on outreach to China. So the school was just like training, and then they sent you out to another country, which you didn't know going into it where you were going to go. But hmm. we went to China, and then like last minute, we wound up going to Korea too. Like we took a ferry um, from China to Korea and hmm. stayed there for a month. So then we went back. Yeah. What did you and what did you think about that? What did you feel about like doing missions work? Which it sounds like, based on your talk about more physical things, it sounds like it was more um, service rather than like conversion attempts or something like that. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just hoping for something different that I'd never tried that sure. was, yeah, hopefully more service. But we didn't really do a whole lot of service-related things when it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wound up being kind of a, an iffy school. So I, <laughs> I'm like not... I didn't have, like, a very positive experience there. I, I feel that in the songs, yeah. which is what I'm getting yeah. to. <laughs> so, uh, good. I, but, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that is how you feel about it, because that's how it, I felt like it came yeah. across. Yeah, um, and without, like, really getting into it too much, because the organization itself is really good, but that particular school kind of, like, went rogue and was were doing their own thing. And in what way? Just, like, a lot of the really basic fundamentals that help with... Um, 
I don't know, I guess engaging young people and discipling were pretty much just like out of the picture. Mm. And it was more just a bunch of people kind of fending for themselves and like, a, I don't know, some manipulation and weird, I don't know. It was, it was just a lot of, a lot of things. That sure. Manipulation like a, like a, to you as a person attending the school or to the people who you were trying to reach out and support? Oh, I didn't experience it so much, but I, it was actually more the staff that I mm. noticed. Like, they were all really bummed out and the morale was super low. Mm. And it became pretty clear that they were being treated really poorly by their leaders. Mm. And then the leaders also were trying very hard to recruit people they, in, in a very, like, I don't know, kind of manipulative way. And, right. Um, yeah, so... Yuck. Yeah, it was, was kind of gross, but... I feel like God really redeemed it for me and I think for John too. Um, I mean, we've talked about it a lot and um, we met each other that way and that's how I wound up in Anacortes. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot that we went through during that time that I feel like, you know, I've experienced like being burned by the church and religion a lot Mm -hmm. in my life and it was nothing new to me. You have? But how? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it was really, it was nothing new at all. Sure. And I would have thought that that would have probably just repelled me and be like, no, I was right. This isn't what I want. Right. Um, but instead, I was able to really, I feel like, overcome it for the last time where That's I was so just great. like, it's it's not that big of a deal. People are messed up, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like there's oh, there's this word for it, and I'm, I'm totally blanking on it, but there is this concept around um, returning to religio- or religious spirituality um, whether it is in a specific religion or in like a broad sense, I'm totally blanking on the world word, but whatever. That's why it's bad at parties. Um, <laughs> but it's this idea that like that first religion you come into, which is often based on um, nurture or nature, or, like your parents are this religious belief or your community yeah. is this belief, and so you just come into it. Um, the the process of like dying and then returning to that if you return to that or you return to some different thing, and often it's going to be different, being so much more beautiful and actually being a beautiful image of um, your crucifix story, your um, your dying to find life story. Um, I don't know. I think that it's beautiful. I think that anybody I know who has uh, a spiritual connection has gone through that process and, and um, the vast majority of them have had this point where they say, no, I, I needed to rejected so that that way I could encounter it again and when things like that happen when I'm in a place where I'm like wow this is really yucky this is gross I don't like the way this looks to be able to be like that's okay like I know me I know what I'm looking for and I know um, this higher power this God this like Christ that I find and choose and feel chosen by even in the midst of this shit because this shit's there yeah no totally and yeah, it's the first time, like I said, that I've really been able to do that because it, it mm. really, like every time it happened in the past, it was, it affected me a lot and affected my thinking a lot and really just like shook my faith. But yeah, so I totally, I definitely feel that. That's great. When you, yeah. um, you're writing this album now, or you've written this album now that is a worship album, um, which I actually have a hard time, I have a hard time with the words worship when it comes yeah. to because I love I do love engaging still um, even though I don't I don't know I consider myself many different things and someone who attends churches and like engages in that spirituality is something I'll still do and enjoy doing um, but I don't like the term worship music very much like I, I feel yeah. like a, a strangeness to it but I feel like there's people like you like John Mandusen who are redefining that and I, I wonder when you think about, like, oh, I'm writing a worship album, what is kind of the heart that m- sets that apart and makes it not just a different genre, but a whole different, like, concept for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess worship for me is, like, an oversimplification mm-hmm. of, of exactly. what the album is. Um, not that I... I don't really have that much of a problem with the term. I did for a really long time, mm-hmm. but I just feel like, you know, it's a broad term, mm-hmm. and... You know, you could say anything's worship. You could say my last album was a worship record. Right. But, um, Some parts I would. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this this is more like songs that came out of a very private moment, like early in the morning. Mm. Like, for probably a month straight, I was just 
every morning just getting up early and praying and then songs would just come to me and I'd just write them down. So now I have this kind of like trove of songs and I, f I feel like um, they're not all really worship songs, but I'm planning on calling the album God Songs because they're, mm. just, they're just about God Dude, and that's songs great. about God. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Uh -huh. I mean, and from a more like Christianese lingo, mm -hmm. like that is that it's the yield of your devotional time mm -hmm. that you are setting aside saying this is a purposeful act. Um, and I guess that's not specifically Christianese. That's a lot of different, that could be a meditative time, but yeah. that you're entering into that saying specifically, I will engage in this. And what the yield of that I will release to others. Um, so that, that way they can also engage in this idea. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like I said, it's like some of them are, some of them, there's maybe like two or three that are actual, like, I don't know, worship songs that you might be able to sing at a service or something, but most of them are more just like, Oh, but that's yeah. your phone. Oh, I was like, what is that? That's yeah. crazy. All right. That's all good. Yeah. yeah, some of them, I guess, are more just like thoughts and meditations about, you know, God and spirituality and things like that. Mm. Um, some about the church and things, but... Mm. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of all over the place, and I don't necessarily see that because you were asking before if that's like if I see a certain direction. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily the direction that I I see myself going, but I feel like um, I do need to like get that part of myself out there because mm -hmm. it exists, and I don't really want to just put a few songs on each album. Right. You know, I'd rather just put it all together. Sure. Um, so that you know the people who are gonna like it can listen to that album in its entirety and like it. You know. Right. It's. It's audience focused in that mm -hmm. way, I think. Yeah, which I mean, I don't know if anyone's gonna listen to it, but, <laughs> but if if they do, I felt that way about yeah. everything I've ever released uh, ever. Yeah, if yeah. they do, hopefully they'll enjoy it because it's all in one place. Yeah, um, that's cool. And then you're also doing um, uh, buffet, right? Right, which is like completely the other way. Right. Which is, I mean, I also love that. I I think like. Like, Doho is, like, a really fun track on there. And, like, I don't know. I heard that because I was hanging out with John Van Dusen. He's like, hey, we're doing this. And it was kind of just joking around we're doing this. And yeah. then it was like, no, we released it. But I don't know. I feel like punk rock is such like a, like, or punk is, like, such a funny thing to me where I'm laughing at it every single time I'm listening. Not because I think it's stupid, but because I feel so just fucking free to me. Like, it just, yeah. and that's what I feel like when I listen to them. And it's like, dude, this is great. This is so unpretentious. And it feels really nice. Yeah, I mean, we were just originally just trying to have fun. And we, we'd been talking about doing that since we were, I think, in Germany together. Yeah. Um, just because we wanted to make really loud music. We couldn't decide if we wanted to do, like, sludge, doom, or, like, hardcore <laughs> punk, like, the two opposites. Right. We just knew we wanted to make loud music. Right. And we settled with punk. Yeah, settled and with punk. Yeah, much more fun, I think. Yeah, it's super tight. And you guys yeah. just released that on cassette, right? Yeah, uh, it was just a cassette EP release. Uh, we just wanted to get it out quick. Right. And, yeah. and every time I think of the words buffet and mm -hmm. cassette... Side by side, I either want to say buffet cassette or buffet casse. Like, like having. I never, both, never thought about that. Like, it yeah. bothers me those two words side by side, and they're like contradictory <laughs> to one another. Yeah, haven't haven't thought about that. Well, we do sometimes <laughs> introduce ourselves as buffet. So buffet. You can say, well, it's not buffet cassette, but buffet it's, cassette. It's pretty. It's close enough. I want to. Yeah. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I've decided that we shouldn't define the pronunciation. We should just let... Because a few people call us Buffett, and a few people call us Buffet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. You know. Here's our CD. This right. is a cassette. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, so it, that's definitely a different thing, but I've, I've wanted to have a band like that for a while. Yeah. It's just being aggressive and getting energy out. Yeah. I, I feel like I, there's a part of me that's always wanted to be, like, just the second person in, like, a really hardcore screamo band. Like, not having a guitar, just screaming into the mic, that's my entire job in the band. Yeah. I, I feel like every musician who, like, is actively engaging with our art form also has the, like, but I also want to do this thing. Right. You know, I want to do this thing that is completely the opposite of what I'm doing right now. 
Yeah, it's yeah. very liberating. Ah, that's because great. I get so bored of like the folk rock kind of thing. Cool. Well, and that's such a that's I'm glad you said that because I had thought when I listened to your album, I was like, oh, this has like these digital elements. This is like some production. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I and but when I was listening to it, I was like, there's these country rhythms. And it feels like storytelling of specific, like there's settings, there's characters, mm-hmm. this feels like folk. And then when I saw you live, I was like, this feels a lot like folk. Yeah. Um, so that's, would that be the genre that you say this is folk rock? I, I guess. I mean, that's such a broad term. Sure. Um, again, like everything is, but um, probably like folk rock, I guess maybe like alt country. Mm. I don't know. Like, I don't know what people are calling it these days but really it's just hate. i really am disgusted by the terms and genre yeah. i feel like they're really arbitrary yeah but i feel like you still have to when you're booking a show uh-huh. when you're putting up a i don't know a facebook or something you have to have something out there being like, right this is it it's like singer songwriter what does that mean sure I don't know. that's yeah. what i am like i sing but... and i'm a songwriter yeah. also there's a lot of other things yeah, yeah i'm a yeah. drummer beat writer enjoy this song <laughs> there's all these words right but I mean, yeah, it is what it is. People have to label it somehow. But um, yeah, I guess I definitely listened to a lot of folk music mm. growing up, and um, I mean, I, f- I would say that's primarily like old, like traditional folk blues and like folk music are pretty much what I listened to mm. most most of my teenhood, with a little bit of like punk music in there, and mm. then you know other things. Sure. But mostly like. Uh Folk blues, like, we're talking, like, pre-white people taking over this genre? Yeah, yes. Or are we talking, like, Dylan, uh, Mamas and the Papas, post-white people taking this over? Definitely pre-white people. Cool. Typically pre-war, pre-war a lot of it. But, oh, wow. Um, or, like, just, like, post-war, like, Mississippi John Hurt and mm. things like that. And then, I mean, I like some of the 70s and, like, 60s folks. Sure, and, like, you're in middle, country, middle in New York, you can't yeah. not. Like, right. you're right there. Like, Greenwich here. Village and all yeah, that. Yeah, you gotta. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, I, I really like Towns Van Zandt. I mean, mm. he's from Texas. I don't know. I mean, I don't really like Texas, but I like him. So. <laughs> I don't know. Well said. He's dead, though. So. Yeah. Well, most are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are kind of my foundation and then foundational artists. And then, I guess, all my friends were really into what was happening now. Mm. And then watching their bands kind of, like, brought in this other influence. Hmm. That's where, like, the kind of more, like, I want to play loud music, I want to play stuff on keyboards, I want to have electric guitar as a part of this. Yeah, a lot of that came from playing with friends' bands or watching oh. watching them or uh, filled in on bass in, like, a friends' band for a tour that was, like, totally out of my musical spectrum. But Fun. Yeah. So, I mean, stuff like that eventually seeps in. And I did listen to some, I don't know, more modern music but yeah yeah the folk stuff i can't really get rid of even if i try so i say don't i'm a big fan of it i think it sounds really cool well that's good yeah i definitely like really like the way you're engaging with it and way you're going multi-genre with it i think that that was my favorite part of of the album is just trying to pigeonhole a song and think about what do i think about this song and i would think about it at the beginning and then by the end i was like well i think about it i think a completely different thing i have to listen to the song again and i would go back to the beginning of the song which i think is a great accomplishment to have tr- even a single track be so transformational in and of itself and then hmm. have transformational content within that yeah well i was kind of hoping it would be the sort of album that People might not like it first, and then they like it after a while. Yeah. That's always my favorite kind of album. So. Right. Is the ones that the first time you're like, what did I just listen to? Yeah. Right. I mean, if a ki- if you can get you to ask a question, that's way better than, oh, I just listened to that. Right. Exactly. That's a period. That's done. Mm-hmm. Put it on the shelf. Yeah, it's like, I get that. Yep. So. Cool. Um, well, I mean, as you're talking about that, like, are you thinking, when you're thinking about, like, these are the genres that influence me and coming out of kind of that New York experience, was your family, like, playing music as well? Is that, like, a start to that is for you? Um, my my mom had led worship at our church growing up, mm-hmm. and she'll tell you it's, like, the kind of three-chord, um, like, Bob Dylan yep. chords is what she calls it. <laughs> Bob Dylan chords. Um, 
she basically was leading worship, and then outside of that, like outside of that context of seeing her up there, um, there wasn't a lot of music being hmm. played because she didn't really like practice at home for it. She just right. kind of did it. Yeah, I know the three then, chords already. Right. Why would I learn them again? Exactly. So then my sister was taking different music lessons, and she would write songs. So she was the kind of the other musician in the older family. Older sister? Yeah, older sister. Hmm. Um, so she's she's not doing too much with it right now. I keep trying to convince her to record an album because she says she has all these songs, but right. she's living in um, Utica, Michigan now. So What? Yeah. <laughs> That's not yeah. real. It's real. You're and making this part she, up. She, she met a guy from Utica, Michigan, and they got married, and now she lives there. Was that like the connection? Like, you're from Utica? I'm from Utica. Oh, like out in Michigan? What? No. I, I didn't witness it happen, so it could have been. That's yeah, crazy. But Dude, the universe is yeah, weird. He was in a band that played oh. in Utica, New York, and they, they're all from Utica, Michigan. Right. So maybe that was their... Right. They were like, like we'll book it in this town because yeah. of the name. So Little did he know, he's going to get married. Right. Right. <laughs> Always catches you off guard. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. How did yeah. you guys meet? Uh, we met, my sister was living in California at the time, and uh, same sister, and that's where my wife is from, mm. and they became friends, and I don't know, more or less, it's a long story, but we wound up talking through my sister, basically. Uh, like, she got her number, she got my number from my sister. Had she seen you? I don't Why did she want your number? No, I don't care. That this, that's she, a very strange thing to say. Yeah, Why did she, she was. Um, she, she started just like prank texting me. I think. Why? They, I think. Why they, did she? Start I think they might have been drinking. I'm not. I don't. I think that's what was happening okay. that night. And it was like, this is a photo of my brother. He's kind of cute. You should text him. Here's his number. I don't think it happened quite like that, but. Maybe. <laughs> but uh, maybe. Okay. Maybe. So you start Similar. getting these texts from an unknown number. Uh huh. And I was just finishing the last episode of Twin Peaks. Great job. And I was really, like, losing my mind. Right. And I guess she hit me at a vulnerable moment when that show was over. And, you know, I, it blew my mind, and I just felt kind of horrified. Yeah. And You're like, Cooper, Agent Cooper, yeah, what? Exactly. What? No! So that, was, that just, like, left a, a hole in my heart, and then right. she just kind of... You filled know. it. Yep. <laughs> she just filled With that With her hole. texts. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I was just, like, I don't know, pranking her back. I didn't know who she was, so it just, no, she's calling, I think she's calling me, actually. But, um, I'm going to respond with one of those automated texts. Is that really bad? I don't know. Yeah. It depends on what your automated texts are. Can't talk. Text me. Yeah. Give I've never done that before. Just give yeah. it away. <laughs> I've never done that before either. Yeah. Apparently, you. I mean, you could change them to things that you regularly text. Uh-huh. I think. I don't know. I've never tried. I don't. I just got that phone, so I don't really know oh, how it works. Oh, new phone. Yeah. New phone. New phone. Who dis? It you was... can start trolling her again. It'll be like you're yeah. dating all over, or not yet dating. So then she lived in California. Did she move out to? Yeah. After. Um... <laughs> I mean, I guess I could just go for it. Yeah. So I basically... Mean, we're doing the podcast. Um, this is what this is for. She said that she wanted someone to write letters to while she was traveling because she was about to go to Switzerland. Hmm. And um, we started writing letters, but then we started also, like, talking on the phone right, and Skyping because we got along really well. Yeah. And then uh, she was going to go to Ireland, so she asked me to meet her in Ireland. Um, and I did. Hmm. And then I proposed, and we... She moved back to New York, and we got Wait, we got you married. had not, like, dated in the same space? <laughs> no. And then you proposed to her? Yeah. Are you nuts? Yeah. You have a child with her now, obviously. Yeah. This is working out. Is it working out? It's working out. That's great news. This yeah. is a strange story. It's a strange story. Do you know it's a strange story? Are you, like, aware of that? Yeah, I was aware when it was happening. <laughs> I was aware that it was strange. It was very strange for me. How did you realize... Wait, no. How did you realize you were going to propose to her? Um, I guess, I mean, we just had a lot of, there, there's so much that I don't want to explain. Okay, but you don't have um, to. But then some of the things that I will explain are basically us just knowing that we could work at a certain point. Like, we, we talked enough to where we felt like 
we knew enough about each other that if anything weird came up, we'd be able to work it out. This is gorgeous. I'm so impressed by the story. I really <laughs> love this. This makes my entire heart happy. Yeah, well, it was it was definitely strange, and I was more the type of person who wanted to date for like a few years before I ever thought about yeah. solidifying anything, and How'd I mostly had like long-term <laughs> girlfriends. Yeah. Um, and never, I mean, you know, I had a couple that were pretty harmless, and it went fine, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it just wound up in a lot of really high expectations and like, you know, heartbreak. Hmm. Um, so like long-term relationships were always kind of just sad. Right, because it's like, I mean, I always joke about this with my friends who are dating, where I think this is an awful thing to say as a, like, like to anyone, but I'll always be like, well, if this works out, you'll be married. And if it doesn't, you'll probably never talk again. Right. <laughs> like, like, these are the, or, and if, like, you get married or if, like, this relationship turns out, like, best case scenario, you die at the same time. Like, these are great, like, it's going to end death or you're going to stop talking to each other entirely. Right. These are, these are the options. This is a very, like, nihilistic way to look at love and connections to people. Just definitely makes it seem like a, a bigger deal when you start getting to know someone, if you think of it through that lens. Right. Like, well, best case scenario, one of you will die. Right. Maybe both at the same time. Maybe both. Maybe both. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. Very old. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. I love that story. So now you have a kid, and, like... In this, it's interesting to hear you talk about kind of the timeline of, okay, religious realizations changing, writing this music, recording them, and then immediately after recording them, you have a child. So once that's been finished, like, and you've got this music out, and now you have this kid that you're like, this drastically changes my life. What has that been like? How has that been affecting, like, your sense of self and, like, how you see your music? Um... I don't know, I, it definitely has changed my priorities in a lot of ways, like being a dad has, yeah, I mean, people say it's life-changing, but for me, my life has stayed similar, it definitely anchors me more in, in one place, but my, like, inner life has changed a lot, because there's a lot of smaller things I cared about, like, for instance, I'd recently become a vegetarian, mm. and I was like, after having her, I was like, nope, that's not a priority anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, you're I, like, the priority yeah. is now getting food inside of myself. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So a music is kind of one of those things, and I'm not saying that I, it's like taking the back burner, but it's like being a husband and a dad is Absolutely. definitely the most important things to me. And if music can't fit into that, I've actually, like it sounds crazy to me now, but if, I mean, it would have sounded crazy to me before. Absolutely. But now it's like, I'm totally okay with it if I'm just making music when I can. What a know? beautiful and joyful thing, though, to enter into that with peace. Like, if somebody right. forced you into this, like, be okay with the possibility of not doing music, you would have fought that tooth and nail. But, right. like, because you came to that place, like, now, if music comes out of that still, what a joy. Right. That that gets to be a part of this. Not something that had to be there that you fought for, but because it was like, I feel good about what I'm doing, with or without this. And then I found a space to add it back in. I didn't have to hate myself through this period of time. Do you feel like um, that's accessible, those thoughts, or do you feel like that's something that you're having to choose? Um, sorry, what? Accessible, uh, sorry, do you feel like that's something that's coming to you maybe more naturally and... Um, inherently like that that piece and like oh yeah uh, well th there was some of it was sort of a choice uh, it definitely is kind of you're sort of forced into it mm -hmm. and there's definitely moments of like selfishness like no I want this but then it's like um, but then in the end like I've always kind of struggled with what I wanted to do with music in the first place like I wasn't sure if I ever really wanted to try to make it because I like I don't know, like, all the old folk musicians that I listened to growing up, they didn't really make it. Nobody, no, there was no making it to Nobody cares who they are now, and nobody really cared who they were at, at that moment. Mm -mm. Just, like, dorks like me care about them because they happen to find them somewhere on, on the internet or in a right. book somewhere. Right. So, I don't know, like, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And 
I think my end goal is basically just to be able to make music mm-hmm. and have like a, a place to record and actually do it because our house is so small right now that right I, there's really no a good way to do it practically yeah that's yeah. the hardest thing I find also living in the city um, is just like more about just oh if I want to be playing music if I want to be engaging this especially if I'm writing with an electric guitar is just saying how do I find a place where I'm not bothering others especially if one of those others is a child that I've been trying to get to fall asleep for the past couple hours All right yeah yeah no it's it's not not easy at all and yeah whenever I'm playing guitar she wants to like grab it and like pull the strings right and as one does yeah Yeah. so you know I actually wrote a buffet song while that was happening so (laughs) it's not impossible um (laughs) just some good punk yeah right that's rad so I don't know yeah it's not not impossible but it definitely makes it more challenging you have to be a lot more intentional Hmm. so it's actually easier to do things with buffet because we have a place to go practice and, right, yeah. because the the nature of the music required it to have a mm-hmm. set-apart, like, isolated space. Right, hmm. which typically my experience is having, like, a private space in, like, my house where it's quiet and mm-hmm. playing, but, yeah. But I'll get there again. That's great. Eventually. I love that. I feel like it's cool to hear you talk about that and knowing that I first was interested in your music not because of the show where I saw it. Like, prior to that... Jonathan Keane had talked to me about, hey, I really like Ricky, and also there's a lot of people in, in this town that are really pulling for him and like really like his music and want to see um, him keep making it be- and like just being like, it's something unique, it's something beautiful, and people mm-hmm. recognize that. And then listening to that in that context of not him telling me, like, here's why it's unique, but but listen to it. And I think that when someone does that, when someone engages with that, like what you're creating, I think that that is um, undeniable. I don't know. I think what you're doing is really cool, and I think Mm. it's really interesting, Um, and I'm excited to hear that that piece is happening right now of like create space because that's how I believe you can then enter back into it, similar to how you chose God, similar to how you chose Anna Corbett. like being able to choose music again like, is going to only happen if you're like, it's right, I will do it again. And then that, like, continuation of what is that next stage and what has happened next, like, just comes out of that. Yeah. No, I think it'll, yeah, I mean, it'll definitely always be happening Mm -hmm. to one degree or another. Yeah. Are you playing any shows or anything like that? I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm playing one here. At Canelli Keys. Yes. At the hall. Uh, Yes. Oh. Which, yeah, I always feel funny playing here because it's like, I, I, sw- I, d- it. I swear I didn't book myself. <laughs> right. Which, I mean, I, it doesn't matter if I did or didn't. That's but, cool. Um, I've, I've done, I've worked at venues yeah. as like booking and, and have ended up playing, but I was mm-hmm. like, but I didn't book this one. Right. I, I have a rule and I didn't break it. Yeah, no, so um, it's the gift machine mm-hmm. and then Silm for, um, I don't know the gift machine, but I've heard that they're like a local staple. Cool. Um, and then Silm are really good local people, and then they had wanted Buffet to play, but Nick, our guitarist and mm-hmm. owner of the business, is right. going to be in Japan. Oh, Nick so, is yeah. in charge of Buffet. That makes sense. I like that guy. Yeah. I emailed him a bit trying to book some stuff in this town, and he was, like, really great to work with, and, like, I had, had an idea, and he had been really good about being, like, Here's why that's not a great idea. Yeah. And I was like, that's so helpful. I don't know that because I don't know your town. I thought it was like really genuine and caring responses that was like the most caring no you could give. No, he's great with that. Yeah, absolutely. He's very upfront and really wise too. So yeah. It's a very helpful person to be in a band with. Cool. That's so rad. So you're playing with them here at the hall. When are you playing that? Um, that is, shoot, I should know this off the top of my head. It's in November. So it's a ways off. Okay, cool. I will, um, before the podcast comes out, I will ask you again via text. Yeah. And then I'll make sure it's at the beginning of the podcast so that way people can hear it. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's rad. Yeah. Cool. So you're doing that, and then you're working. You've got the worship album written, not recorded? Yeah, it's it's written, and there's another one, too. I can't really decide which one I want to start working on first. I might just do them all at the same time, but... Yeah, there's another one that's more just regular songs. A lot of them 
they're, they're all songs I've written since living here. Sure. And then, yeah, there's a worship record. And I actually want to re-record an old one that was basically um, just demos. It was released as a demo album, and I never right. actually recorded it. Sure. So, um, yeah, there's like a, a few that I'm... There's no projected date, but I did actually set some stuff up here in hopes to start coming very early in the morning and start working on stuff. That's cool. You know, before um, work. Are the... If people, and this is the other thing, because you are connected with the Monopath stuff, if people are, and maybe you don't know because, you know, Jonathan and John and Nick are taking on more of the responsibilities, but if they, if people did want to record or connect with Monopath, is like reaching out to them directly, do you know if they are recording here, are they actively picking up projects? I think they're, I think they've kind of put the brakes on a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think mostly... Like, I can't speak for them, really. Right. Uh, but, right. You're not um, booking it. Right. But um, John is doing his Germany thing, mm -hmm. and I think he's kind of trying to feel it out and see where that's going to take him, because um, he might end up going back to Germany pretty often. Right. It sounds like. Because he's and, got that record label that's the UK record label. Right. That's booking. That, like, yeah, the German label. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big deal, and it definitely changes some things for John. And then... Um, they don't really have a space for all the gear to actually record. Hmm. So that kind of, I think, stops them from right. taking on any new projects at the moment. But um, I'm, I'm sure if something came up that was pressing, they would figure out a space. Hmm. Uh, but Talk yeah. to them directly. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely talk to them directly. Cool. Not Yeah, yeah it's kind of like, yeah, it mixed up right now. Nice. Well, I know that that is kind of also, you know, it's an island. It's island life. Right. You've got to just be flexible and be like, oh, we're doing this right now. Oh, we're doing this right now. Right. Yep. It's a Northwest album, but it's still an island. Uh -huh. Cool, man. Well, uh, I really appreciate you coming out and talking on the podcast. Is there any stuff that you wanted to talk about that you felt like you didn't get a chance to? Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think that's... Whatever questions you came up with, I, that's, <laughs> that's what I want to talk about. So. That's cool. I mean, I know yeah. this was kind of a question-y one, but I, I don't know you super well, so it was fun yeah. to just be like, I'm just going to dig and just, like, ask some stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, if this were a regular conversation, I probably would have just asked a lot more questions to you because I don't, I don't know you very well. Really. That's okay. I, there's nothing to know. I'm yeah. an enigma. As soon as we're <laughs> done with this podcast, I kind of just float away. Well, that's good to know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thanks so much. Cheers, right. y'all. Yeah, thank you.